0: Thank you very much for your warm welcome. Really kind. Well, um, my name is Neil, as Ellie just said. I'm part of the leadership team here at King's. It's a great honor to be part of this leadership team. And we are covering this, well, across this summer term, we're talking about all aspects in Proverbs. So the great thing about Proverbs is it's got breadth and it's got beauty to it. And we're going to cover that. We're trying to cover as many areas as we possibly can. Um, let, let me just say this. Knowing, the, knowing Proverbs is no guarantee that they will be properly used. Knowing Proverbs is no guarantee. Knowing it is no guarantee that it will be properly used. Solomon was the author of much of the book of Proverbs. And despite his great wisdom and understanding, it didn't keep him from turning away from the Lord. So, whatever we learn, it must be subject to obedience. I mean, if obedience isn't in there, it's just going to fill your head with just stuff and knowledge. So... It requires a response. The problem requires a response. So today we're looking at the matter of decision making and the will of God. I don't know how I got such a subject like this. Okay, so th- this is huge, as you can already tell. So let's have a crack at it, shall we? We'll just endeavor to do the best we can. We're, we're faced with a plethora of decisions to make every day. Every day. The lovely thing about coming up to Hazelmere is you do not have to choose where to park your car. It's just got speakers, spot, that's it. You know, I, walked, I went into um, the car down at the town center uh, in, in Wickham and and I'm thinking, oh, there's that space, and there's, I don't know if you like me, but there's that space, there's that space, and oh, is that big enough, or whatever? And I'm round the other side before I know it. And I'm parking, parking the car, so. Um, we, but we are faced with uh, loads of decisions, far more than Solomon ever was. I think when I started this, uh, I remember saying, you know, that um, you know, they, in Solomon's day, there was no, no such thing as a career advisor. So you wouldn't go up to your dad and say, you know what, I'm, a, I'm going to be the best graphic designer there is in Israel. It isn't going to work. What's a graphic designer? Get out, get out with the sheep, for goodness sake. What are you doing here? See, they didn't, we, have a, we have a plethora of decisions to make. And it increases with every generation. I think today's generation has a huge number of decisions to make, far more than I did when I was younger. To be perfectly honest, it can be quite wearying decisions. I recall many years ago, we had a couple of people came. They were from a, a relatively poor country. And they went to a supermarket. And they were absolutely stunned. They were just shocked. The experience was almost Overwhelming. Then they, they had never seen such, so much produce and so many items for sale. They'd never seen it. It's, it sort of paralyzed them. Stood there with their mouths open at such opportunities. You know, even now, if I go shopping, I need exact details of what to buy. I mean, uh, size, brand, the whole business. I need exact details. I know a number of you are nodding your heads here. The reason is this: there are too many alternatives on the shelves, just far too many. And somebody like me is going to get it wrong. So I want it written down. I want to know exactly what I'm supposed to get. Decisions, decisions, decisions. You know, some of them can appear to be some of them can appear to be make-or-break decisions, as we see it. Is this the right career? Is this the right person to hire? Is this the right person to confide in? Is this course right for me? Should I be on this course? Is this the right amount of freedom to give my child at this age? (laughs) How many parents have been through that? Going through it. Should I marry? Or should I stay single? You just listen to all those decisions, you see. All these decisions are moral, they're legal, they're allowable, but they need wisdom. So I'm going to move around the Proverbs, and um, they'll come up as we speak. So I'm not taking one particular passage, I'll come towards that at the end. But Proverbs, Proverbs 11, verse 3 says the integrity of the upright guides them but the unfaithful are destroyed through duplicity now Tim Keller leads a church called Redeemer Church in New York and he says the word guide or guidance is the Hebrew word for rope and and they were very much used to uh using rope as a method of navigation. So you'd need the rope to pull up the sails. You'd need the rope to move the sails. You'd need rope to, to fill the sails. Ropes were part of keeping the ship on course. The integrity of the upright guides, guides them. So here's the question. I said, how do we get God's guidance? I mean, this is just an open question. How do we get God's guidance? I really want to go down two questions here. One is, what do we mean by the will of God? What do we mean by the will of God? And how do we discover the will of God? Now, we're going to take our time here. So, what do we mean by the will of God? The, the Bible has some important things to say about the will of God. And basically, there are two clear and different meanings to the term will of God. Firstly... There is God's moral will. Stay with me here. There's God's moral will. Some uh, theologians say it's God's will of command. That's the line. It's God's will of command. So, for instance, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it is the will of God that you should be sanctified, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. It's the moral will of God. It's God's will of command. Later in the letter, Paul writes, give thanks in all circumstances. Notice he doesn't say for, but he says give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, be a thankful people. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians it says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what God's will is. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It's God's will. for It's the commanded will of God. Well, that's, sort of th- those are th- that's that side. And there's also the sovereign will of God. But now, the sovereign will of God. He's in control of every contingency. He knows his will. So in Proverbs 19, verse 21, it says this. Many are the plans of a man's heart. Man's heart. But it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Proverbs 16, verse 33 the lot is cast into the lap. But it's every decision is from the Lord. So if you're in a decision making process and they, what they call is, they would pull lots, they'd pull out, maybe like drawing, who draws the short straw? Listen, every decision, but it's every decision is from the Lord. God isn't into lucky dip, He doesn't take chances. He's genuinely in control of every possible variable. Stay with me. He's in control of every possible variable. The sovereign will of God. Every conceivable outcome. Every contingency according to his sovereign power. So when you have the life of Joseph, for instance, and Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. Who wants brothers like Joseph? I mean, who wants brothers like him? So they sell him into slavery. So first they throw him into pit. They sell him into slavery. And then when he gets to Egypt, uh, things... I mean, he, God is with him, but he ends up in prison. So he's gone from pit to, to prison. And finally he ends up as prime minister because he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. It's a brilliant story. I've just read it again. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But when... When there's a famine in the land, because that's what, um, that's what Joseph recognizes in the dream, that there's going to be a famine in the land, all the brothers come to him. The whole family come to him because they're starving. And in the end, they all come, and they all live in the land of Egypt. And the brothers say this. Their brothers think that they think that Joseph's going to take revenge, I, I think that's quite not a bad thought, really, to be quite honest. I mean, they haven't been all that pleasant, have they? And so they, he's, because of them, he was in a pit. And then he's in a prison. That's because of God. God's been with him all the time, all the time. So, but Joseph says this. So they think he will take revenge. And Joseph says, you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. His will is sovereign. Sovereign will. He did not orchestrate the evil against Joseph, but he used it for good. God knows what he is doing all of the time. Now, for some people's circumstances, that can be quite troubling. I, I get that. I understand that. It can be a, that can be uncomfortable. But I tell you, when you know who he is, and you know what this God is like... And you know that he is good. I want to say this. It's deeply comforting. It will bring peace to your life. Like nothing else will. In other words, even the enemy's best shot can't thwart God's purposes. Even the enemy's best strategy and plans cannot thwart God's purposes. Even his worst designs cannot thwart God's purposes. It's not for us to divine For ourselves, all the details of God's will for our lives. The Bible doesn't give us the encouragement to do that. We shouldn't assume that God wants us to know all the details before we make decisions. If that was the case, we would never get off the starting block. If we knew everything that was going to happen, some of us would never get going. We just wouldn't do it. And this is difficult for us because in our culture, we want to know everything. In fact, we demand to know everything. We think we have a right to know everything. We were at a planning meeting uh, this week. Uh, planning for 2017, just to show that we work and we're doing things ahead of to schedule. Planning for 2017, and we wanted to know particular things like uh, Mother's Day, Easter Day, Father's Day, Pentecost—we want to know all those dates. And so we start scrabbling around with our mobile phones. And Ron goes, "Just—he's just found this new thing on his phone." He goes, "Okay, Google, what is the date for Mother's Day, 2017?" Little space, March the 26th, 2017. Don't forget that, some of you, all right? It's March the 26th. I gave you warning. I told you. On this day, here, March the 26th, 2017, this is knowledge on tap. One friend I know, uh, he looked up his symptoms. He was experiencing uncomfortable symptoms in his body, and he looked them up on Google. And... uh, and having looked them up on Google, he phoned his doctor and wanted an urgent consultation with his doctor as soon as he possibly could. He got in there, had this appointment with his doctor, and the doctor was very astute. And he said, I see you've been on to Dr. Google <laughs> and made the wrong prognosis. So, see, we want to know everything. This is, um, Gerald Sitzer writes this in his book, The Will of God and as a Way of Life. He's a brilliant writer, this man. And he, um, he experiences the loss of three generations of his family in one car crash. And in The Drunken Driver, so he writes another book <laughs> on... Um, uh, on how to go through this and it was just it's a brilliant brilliant book but this is the the will of god as a way of life and he he writes this well then what does the future hold for me what does the future hold for any of us we simply do not know we cannot know we should not know if we did know the future we would be too overcome with utter surprise or terror or both To respond wisely and make the most of it. Before life is done, we will undoubtedly be shocked by what happens to us. It's a very, very, very very good book. It got him thinking all about the will of God through this tragedy that he experienced with his family. This, This, my friends, it should deter us from playing the Christian game of Bible roulette where we lucky dip the Bible and we try and find a circumstance or situation sort of relative to ours in the Bible and get God's will for us it should deter that sort of thing flipping pages like that as if there is an exact blueprint for our lives I met somebody a few years ago at the welcome area down at the town center of Kings and um, I went up to them and I asked them, you know, what brought you to Kings? Uh, how come you've been here? Is this your first time? And he said, yeah, this is my first time. So I said, do you, do you normally come? Do you normally go to church? He said, yeah, I, I go every Sunday. I said, oh, wow. So I said, uh, where do you go? He said, well, I, I ask God every Sunday which church I should go to. Now, I don't know what I said in reply. But I'm telling you, this is spiritual nonsense. It's just spiritual nonsense. Like an exact blueprint for God. It's just, dust. don't be dealing with it. Please. You know, I, I thought, you know, what, let's just say this. Why wouldn't God be interested in a church for him that he liked going to? Let's try that one. Isn't God interested enough in him to say, do you know what? This church will suit you rather than getting moving around. from pop- I mean, how he gets all this. Uh, I, I don't know how he gets the kings. How Lane? Holy Trinity. I don't know how he does that. I, I, never, I never even got into the discussion. But this blueprint concept that every decision needs a sign... A word, a vision, spiritual insight, prophetic word, my friends, it's just not biblical. And what if you mess up? What if you pick the wrong school or job or place to live? I'm not saying these things are not important. Please understand me. I'm not saying they're not important. But if you go down the detailed blueprint route for your life, tell me, at what point does it stop? Where do you draw the line? Is it the restaurant that you go to? Or the car park you park your car in? Or is it for big decisions? Well, what decisions? What do you classify as a big decision? And did you know that some of your life is hinged on small decisions? What are you going to do with all of that? The blueprint concept gives a false and negative view of God as if God is playing hide and seek. He hides his will And we have to really find it. I mean, it's elusive, but we have to find it. It's not biblical. I played a hide-and-seek with our grandchildren. i have been out of practice for many years. And then we had grandchildren. (laughs) And and it was an object lesson in hide-and-seek. Because I found out that the idea of hide-and-seek is to be found. (laughs) And to find. That's the object lesson of it. So, when I hid and i found a brilliant place to hide absolute brilliant i thought they'll never get and they didn't they got really bored <laughs> they got really upset i missed the point what sort of god plays hide and seek like that question as if it's as if he would prefer to hide from us god has enough trouble persuading us to do his will why would he make it all the more difficult I, what sort of God is that? My friends, he wants you to do his will. He delights in you. He knows that when you do his will, it, it brings you happiness. Well, what God is really looking for is not an intimate, an, an intimate knowledge of all the details, but a confident trust in his character. That is what he's looking for. That is looking for people who have a confident trust In his character, and yes, sometimes we do have specific instructions. I get all of that, and you'll find that in the Bible too. You know, he tells Jeremiah, "Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. Go to the potter's house. There's something I want to show you." And and Jeremiah goes to the potter's house, and he speaks to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah sees what's going on with the with the potter. And then, for the Apostle Paul, who's got his own traveling itinerary and he's mapped out where he's going and all the rest of it and he goes, hey, hang on a minute I don't want you going to Bethynia. I've got somewhere else for you to go to I... yes, you get specific instructions and, 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 and the children of Israel when they're in the wilderness God tell them where to camp and when to move where to camp when to move, yes there are specific instructions, but let me just say this That's the extraordinary and not the ordinary. Please hear this. It's extraordinary, not the ordinary. The truth is we have far more freedom than any blueprint would allow. In the vast majority of decisions, we have a great latitude. God is more interested in how we work than where we work. Otherwise, we'll get this all out of skew, you see. He's far more interested in how we work than where we work. He's more interested in how we live than the house in which we live. He's more interested in the person you are, your character, than in the qualifications you have. God, my friends, is excited about you and what you do. So yesterday, I believe you're now the national champion. Is that right, Francis? Rowing, national novice champion. Is that how it goes? No, don't I, one of my, okay. But... It's the will of God. Is that the will of God? Is that the will of God? What happens if you didn't go? What happens if you do go? Let's play the will of God, shall we? No, he enjoys doing that. God loves what you do, he loves who you are. Monica Brown, she goes skating the other week, and, uh, and she, she's a world champion, by the way, ice skater, and he loves what she does, and he loves her doing it. My friends, he loves what you do. He loves the things that you love. He just he wants to encourage you. He wants you to flourish. He's excited about you. This is your God. You know, in regards to finding a spouse, the real question is this. It's not who you will find. You know, your marriage partner for life. It's not who you will find. It's the sort of person. It's who will they find, is the bigger question. Hear me. So if you look at the actual words of the New Testament, their primary emphasis is on godly character and daily obedience. Far more than the, than the issues that we stress over of decisions. We're called to reign in life We're called for a freedom in life. He comes to set the captives free. We're not to be puppets, you know. We're to be sons and daughters, not robots. There's something about you that's unique about you, and he wants it to flourish in him. Do we get that? It's really important. And take responsibility. Step up. Make the call. You do it. He wants you to do that. So if my children... If they play outside, when they play outside at the age of six, you know, they go, Dad, Dad, our friends are outside. Can we go and play football or whatever? And, uh, and I go and have a look and go, yeah, sure. Go on. Go and play football. Enjoy time with your friends. And uh, I'm thinking, I'll get a bit of peace as well. So this works for both of us. Now, if my sons, when they're at university, ring up, And say, Dad, there's some friends outside of mine and they're playing with a frisbee. I would really love to join them. Can I? Is that all right? I would think that's really odd. I would think, what sort of parent have I been that they have to ask that sort of question? Oh my goodness me, what are we doing? We're not called to live paint-by-numbers life you know the blue goes in the white, number one and wherever it's number three that's green and to fill in the canvas we're not called to do that God has your own canvas to paint you have your you so I say have your own cam- canvas to paint so how do you discover the will of God well Proverbs 3 says this it says 5 or 6 you know this one probably some of you really well Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, if you're making notes, quick points. All right, quick points here. One. You know, just If you want to write them down, just quick points. It all starts with Jesus. That's where it starts. Jesus has given us life and the word of God tells us he has given us life and life To the full. He's given us life to the full. And you look at his life, and everywhere it's full of color, and it's full of wonder, and it's full of vibrancy, and he touches people's lives. His life is so full. John says that all that if all the things he had done were written down, he says, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books. That would be written. Just imagine. Every library. Pulling out every book in every library. And opening it up. It's not enough. It's not enough. For all that he has done. And for all that he is. It just wouldn't be enough. To describe the, the life giving power. And kindness of God. It's just not enough. There's a classic hymn. And it goes. Um, it proclaims the love of God. It says, could we with ink the ocean's fill? And were the skies a parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. I love the words to this. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. My friends... He's not an example to be followed. He's a savior to be trusted. Hallelujah. Trust in the Lord. Go on, trust in him. I'll tell you, he'll see you right. He knows knows you like no one else. Trust in the Lord. If we're united with Christ, and we are, he's going to make us like him. God says, I want you to be co-creators with me. The gospel says we don't need to do things better. It says we need the power of God in our lives. He's given you his spirit to strengthen you, to guide you, to encourage you. He supplied you with all your talents and all your gifts. All your gifts and talents. Growing, skating. Some people are so good at writing. They just write brilliant words of encouragement. Fantastic. Some people are so observant. It just, like, flourish. Go on, paint your picture. My friends, it's a relationship. It reflects you in Jesus. He calls us to partner with him. Not to be puppets. Not to be robots. Sons and daughters. Have a confidence in what God has given you. Don't keep looking over your shoulder and have, I'm painting all the bots uh, the right pieces in the right places. Don't do that. Have a confidence. Grow in him. How do we discover How do we discover God's will for our lives? We trust in the Lord. And then it says, don't lean on your own understanding. It doesn't say we don't use it. It doesn't say we don't use our understanding. It says, don't lean on it. Don't put an overdue sense of confidence in your own understanding. Don't lose your brain. Use it. Proverbs is full of this. Solomon noted that it was right to check the facts... Solomon said, fools don't bother. They jump to conclusions. Some people just live, live on, the, on the highway their feelings and emotions and do things to such an extent that they make such a mess. Use your brains. Don't lose them. Don't have an overconfidence in them, but use them. Think things through. Be logical. You know the thing about... The um, Alpha Course, why it is so popular, it, it gets to people's reasoning. The gospel is logical, my friends. It's not illogical. It's logical. It makes sense to the rational mind. So don't use your brains. Don't throw them out the window. Trust in the Lord. Don't lose your brains. Use them. Think biblically. Think biblically. My friends, this is God's word. God's word. It's just wonderful. It's so full of authority. It's so full of power. I hope you know it. I hope you get to know this. I hope it's regular. Because it will change your life. It's life-giving. This word is life-giving. A few years ago, there was this fad. And it was the uh, those little armbands and WWJD. Which means... What would Jesus do? Well, you'll only know what Jesus would do if you read the Bible. The question was how many people with the bracelets were reading the Bibles? And if this, you'll ask the question. You've got to know what, you want to know what God's will is. It's in here. He'll tell you how to live, He'll tell you how to behave. Think biblically, my friends. It's a gift for you, it'll light a fire in you. They're coming back from the Emmaus Road to manage Jesus. And they're walking along the Emmaus Road. And, and then they have break bread and, and suddenly Jesus disappears. I want to ask a question about that when I get to heaven. How do you do that? But anyway, he disappears. Poof. Gone. I, I, it does, I don't know how that works. I mean, but anyway, or maybe he just walks out through the door. Whatever. But he, he goes. And they're talking about it. And they're talking about their meeting with him, and they said, "We're well, not our hearts burning within us? We're not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us." Think biblically. Please think biblically. Trust the Lord. Use your brains. don't lose them. Think biblically. How do we discover how to be a wise person? God 's will in our life, look, become a wise person. Become a wise person. Proverbs 12:15 says this: The way of fools seem right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Richard Horn, who's our youth pastor, he spoke last week. I just thought he was excellent. If you didn't hear that, he brought a, a word on friendships. Choose friends wisely. brought a word on friendships. It, it just download, it's just worth hearing. It really is worth hearing. And um, I have to say, God has blessed me with friends here in the church. Wise friends. Precious, wise friends. Who have stopped me. They have stopped me making stupid mistakes in my Christian life. Hallelujah. There are friends that I go to and I sit down and I talk to them about things of great complexity... And they just hear me out. And they are really helpful to me. And they'll tell me the truth as well. Things I don't want to hear. Choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends wisely. It's very important for you. I have people who are men and women of character. Proven and precious in the life of God. Rightly handle the word of God. Choose your friends wisely. Who are you speaking to? Who's speaking to you? Paul says this to Titus. He says he advises the younger women, the older women, to teach the younger ones. Have you got young women? Have you got some older women in your life? You know, they're just ahead of the game. And wise ones, and they understand things. Have you got someone like that? It's important for you. But Neil, what about spiritual? What about all those... You know, special interventions, specific words, prophecies, dreams. I've had them, my friends. I have had them. They're all very helpful. All very helpful. But don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. You have decisions to make. Just step up. Make them in Christ. Have a confidence of who you are in God. He wants you to create your own hallmark in this world. Finish with this. The vicar goes to a gardener, and he's uh, just full of admiration. Unbelievable. I mean, what the... This garden is beautiful. I mean, it's immaculate. It's wonderful. And the vicar turns to the garden, and he says, It's just wonderful. This is wonderful. You know, to stand here and enjoy the handiwork of God, it's wonderful. And the gardener replies... You should have seen the way he left it. There's things for you to do, my friends. There's things for you to enjoy. Trust him. Enjoy him. And let him flourish in your life. And let's see what he will do. Don't paint by numbers. Paint the picture that reflects him in you. Amen? Brilliant. Thank you very much.